0: So much for being with us this morning, Blue Valley Baptist Church. Great to see you. Well, several weeks ago, I went into Walgreens to grab a prescription. You know how that tr- those trips typically go. You don't have much time, and so you're running in. I can't remember if I received the text that said my prescription was ready or not, but I was obviously ready for it. So I ran in, went up to the counter, young 20s guy working. Uh, He and the pharmacist were the only two, unusually so, at this particular Walgreens. And I said, well, uh, my last name's Ray, here for my prescription. Uh, And he said, well, let me take a look. Came back. uh, It'll be five to ten minutes yet before it's ready. Can you wait? Sure, I can wait. No problem. So went over and had a seat in, in one of their chairs that they've got there. And not 30 seconds later, a lady in her upper 50s, lower 60s walked up to the counter, same young 20s guy, I'm here for my prescription. Uh, well, I'm sorry, uh, as you know, as you came in earlier, um, I need some additional information from you, and, and uh, we haven't been able to process it fully yet in the insurance. And, and she cut him off midstream and said, but I want my prescription. And then... As her voice began to get louder. And why in the world do you need my driver's license number? And why would you ask for my social security number? No kidding. I'm not over exaggerating. I'm sitting there watching this happen. Woman, red in the face. Angry. And he, shrinking back. Well, like I shared earlier. And then, boom, she kept going. And then started to really hear it. F-bomb, boom, F-bomb, boom. Three other customers sitting there along with me watching this take place. What in the world is happening? So about, no kidding, eight minutes in, I thought, there's no way I'm getting my in five to ten. It's just not happening. So she stepped over to the side, got on her phone, started making a phone call. I walked up to the counter, the guy crawling out from underneath <laughs> like this. I said, hey, listen, I understand. Probably not getting my prescription. Uh, Do you want me to come back? Yeah, okay. So I left, uh, went to the front where the manager was uh, and uh, shared with him what I had seen in the back. She had at that point made accusations. I'm suing you. I'm suing Walgreens. I'm suing the manager. I mean, she's just going crazy. And so I told the manager what she's going to come tell you is inaccurate. accurate here's what I saw, and I thought your guy in his early 20s did a great job of handling himself. Now, I was trying to put myself in that guy's shoes, just wondering if I'm standing there, am I going to just sit there and continue to take it from someone who had already come in and probably nailed me the wall already. Uh, we live in an age of outrage. It seems that a large part of our society, people, have so much anger, so much frustration, that it's just bubbling at the surface all the time. And normally we don't see it in person, uh, up front like that. Normally we see it on social media channels. You can't really get tone of voice, body language, facial expression when you read an email that's scathing or you see these interactions on social media that people are just popping off, just... We live in an angry society. We saw last week in 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 19, Paul was talking to Timothy, challenging and encouraging him with these who are false teachers who were responding in this way, angry, looking for quarrels, looking for arguments. Breeding this area, this life of frustration to others who would listen. We saw Paul talking to Timothy and challenging him. In the midst of that, keep your head. Endure hardship. Make it through it because the way you respond, who you are in Christ, in those conversations, in those relationships matter. Not just to believers that are around you, but to the lost as well. 2 Timothy 2, 20 through 26. Now, before we start, we need to reread verse 19, as was mentioned, Paul expressing to Timothy, but God's firm foundation stands bearing the seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Paul encouraging Timothy in the midst of all these false teachers as you're speaking truth, as you're uh, dealing with them in the way you need to, as you're holding out your testimony, holding out the Lord, remember your goal with these individuals, whether they truly are followers of Jesus or not, is that they would come to the point of repentance. That is your goal, that you speak truth to them in such a way where they can hear the truth of God, abandon where they were, correct the error, and run towards him. He continues that Theme In these first two verses, we're actually going to read 20 through 26, completing the second chapter. Now, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, we will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies, as you know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth." they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So we see this in verses 20 through 21. There are some within the church who are believers, followers of Jesus, have surrendered their lives, who are being used and utilized in great ways. God is moving and working through them in honorable ways to bring him honor, those, those vessels that are, are good. But then there are some who are followers of Jesus for whatever the season, whatever the reason, are more disruptive than they are helpful. For whatever reason, they have gone away from what God has called all followers of Jesus to be, and they become dishonorable. We saw the example Um, of the woman once again at Walgreens going up and blasting. Now, I don't know if she claimed to be a follower of Jesus or not, but I do remember throughout my lifetime, having been in the church since an infant, seeing followers of Jesus go toe-to-toe in parking lots, in sanctuaries, in fellowship halls, in Sunday school classrooms, heavens, everywhere on the property. Softball games? (laughs) It's a risky venture. There have been moments when the most godly of those that I've known, that I can't even put myself in the same bucket with because of their extreme love for Jesus, have gasketed, been as the woman at Walgreens, lost it. And I've watched, as have you, the collateral damage that takes place as a result Followers of Jesus, seeing that, respect being lost, becoming more frustrated in the faith because this one whom they had put their hope and trust in or held at such a high mark of pedestal have themselves, as a result, gotten so dismantled, some have walked away from the truth. Sadly so this summer, you may or may not be aware of, there was a Twitter battle going back and forth between two prominent Christian leaders, one male, one female, within our, uh, within our country. And it was over an issue, a doctrinal issue, that obviously was very important, but because of their going back and forth, the attack gaining more ground from one, attack gaining more ground from the other, that uh, one actually called the other a heretic. And the other challenged the other one, basically saying that that individual was an abuser of the spouse and the children. Okay, so followers of Jesus seeing this battle go back and forth. Frustrated, disrupted, upset, obviously. But what of the lost and dying world? Well, news channels picked it up because, you know, Christians, they're all bad news, right? Easy targets. targets. And so this thing that happened between these two prominent Christian leaders was communicated widely on world channels. And what happened to those who were lost watching this take place? See, I told you. I told you. They're all like that. They can't even get along with each other. How in the world, if they can't get along with each other, am I going to think forever that I'm going to jump into something like that? I've got no interest. Now, I'm all about, at times, doctrinal discussions. Uh, They're important when it comes to salvation, by grace through faith, Jesus being the only way. Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that in those conversations, the vein in my neck has to pop, that I have steam coming out of my ears. And then I blast the person through the wall. Because what does that do to that believer first and foremost? It crushes them. Whether you're a pastor or not, we are all ministers of the gospel. And what does it do to a lost world? We are to be known as followers of Jesus by what? Our love for him displayed by our love for one another. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't hold the truth. Obviously, we do. But even in this setting with these false teachers that Timothy was dealing with, Paul was telling him, listen, even with these false teachers, you keep your head because your goal is what? Their repentance, coming to a knowledge of the truth where they can be corrected, where they can become once again, if they ever were of God, honorable use. Because the result If anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to God, ready for every good work. And that's the goal. Because there are far more lost than there are saved. Broad is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the road that leads to life. And if you claim to be a follower of Jesus... You're on that narrow road, that narrow path, and people are watching. Your words, your mannerisms, your social media posts matter. People are watching. Outrage in our society breeds certain things, and and in this, as Paul addresses Timothy in verse 22, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart he was encouraging and challenging Timothy to remember his drive thriving was to pursue Christ i think we can mistake the beginning of verse 22 youthful passions as paul's challenge to Timothy to be sexually pure as he did at the close of the book first Timothy but actually in this one he is telling him do not be hot headed Remember who you are. As you engage everywhere, you remember who God has called you to be and don't show youthful immaturity in the way you respond to all that's happening. Now, before we start to point fingers at Timothy, every one of us, maybe even this morning before getting to church, have blown it, hot-headed, reacted, said something we regret, verbally blown it, blasted somebody through the wall. Every one of us have done it. Giving into the flesh, allowing the enemy to have rain in our eyes and minds and hearts instead of Christ, and we've blown it. He was reminding Timothy here, Paul was, leave that behind, regardless of your age, be the 22-year-old at the desk. Respond with kindness. Gentleness, in truth, in love. Respond in a way that would bring Christ honor. Then he goes on, verse 23, "...have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies, these things that breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, looking for a fight just to have it, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil." Correcting his opponents. There's the speaking of truth. We know Paul didn't back down from that, neither did Timothy, with gentleness. Ooh, that gentleness. Do you remember the verse, Proverbs 25, 22? We respond in kindness, giving a cup of water in a situation where it wouldn't be, giving food in a situation where it wasn't deserved. Our words being kind if someone's strongly attacking us. It's like burning heaping coals on the foreheads of those who are attacking and so we don't do it for the purpose of wanting to see them totally catch on fire, flame out, and be done and turn to ash. Our hope is, in the process of that, is we're kind in our response to them, whoever it is, whatever the situation is, that they once again will repent, will turn back. But in so doing, it so infuriates people when they don't get the reaction from us that they expect. That it has to, to set them back and, and think. Maybe there's something wrong with what I'm doing and saying. And also, before we get too deep into our response, do we remember Matthew 7, 3-5? Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not take notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye when there is a log in yours? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will clearly see to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So, when I researched that term log, one of the examples that came up was a railroad tie. So imagine this, not that you could hold it up because those things are heavy, but let's say it's a full-on railroad tie, and let's say right now you and I are on stage, and that railroad tie is right in front of me. I mean, big, woody, giving splinters, I mean, bad news, and all I can see is this railroad tie, and, and you've got this old uh, little piece of fuzz in your eyeball. And uh, it is driving you crazy, and you've tried to get it out, but you can't. So I say, I'll do it for you. So I grab out my tweezers, railroad tie right in front of me. Okay, get real close. Let me get it. So this is the view. I'm, try- I'm trying to grab that speck. How many of you would let me do that? That would be insane. There's no way I'm going to be able to see that speck. Pride. I'm right, you're wrong. I don't care what the issue is. And I'm going to fight you to the death until you get it. Okay, we've never had conversations like that, right? Let me get my tweezers and let me get at that sin that's just right there. Missing this entirety of the railroad tie in our own. Deal with your life first. Get that log out of the way So you can cleanly see this speck in in your brother or sister's eye. Doing it with love, kindness, compassion. Being the hands and feet of Jesus instead of driving him to the ground. That's what Paul was telling Timothy. Respond in that way. Leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Because they're trapped. The trap, I think, of a bear trap or a pit. The bear trap, being in the wilderness, we go for a hike one day. We go in the forest. We don't see it. It's well covered up. Boom, a bear trap snags around our leg. Probably breaks it in the process. Can't get out of it. Can't seem to pry that thing open. And typically, those traps are tied to trees. And so even if we try to pull out of there, unless we cut off our leg, we're not making it out, right? So those who are lost in this sin... Who have not come to their senses. It's like they're in a bear trap or it's like they're in a pit and they can't get out 20 feet deep. And were it not for someone coming along with a rope and pulling them out, they would have no hope. For God rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loved. What is our purpose? To help rescue those individuals who are in desperate need, not only of the truth, the lost of salvation, but believers alike who may be struggling and see things differently. Now, it's not that any of us in this room will ever have the same opinion or position on every topic in our lives. Your favorite color's green. Mine's blue. You like uh, the position of pre-trib. Christ will come back before we endure or face anything related to uh, suffering that it talks about at the end times. Another post trib. We're going through all of it on this planet. And, and when it's done, he'll take us home. What's the reality? We don't know if it's going to be pre, mid, post. We can have our positions and our opinions. The point of it is what? He is returning for us. Christ is coming back. We can rally around that truth regardless of pre, mid, post. But what happens? People go blow to blow because their position is right. And there's no room for yours. Even though we know scripture says the only one who knows when he's coming back is God. See, at times, these arguments that we have within, not iron sharpening iron. I'm talking about way beyond that. I'm talking about fist to fist. My position is right, your position is wrong, and it's not one of those truths, salvation by grace through faith, that is uncompromising. It is only through Jesus that we find salvation. That is an uncompromising truth. But when it comes to the timing of his return, come on, we can have the discussion, but why go blow to blow? Now normally, we don't hear about those type of arguments or fights every once in a while. We hear more of, Sure would have liked blue carpet. Why in the world do we have green? Who made that decision? Paint on the walls? Brown. Should be white. And followers of Jesus battle it out over many things that really don't matter. And other followers get so Destroyed by watching people they respect. That they walk away from it. And the picture to a lost world, when followers of Jesus can't get along even about the most simple of things, is a distraction to the gospel. Now, we've all been distraction to the gospel to others that are lost. Every one of us, multiple times. Listen, if we really saw a picture or a list of the number of times individually we have been a distraction to others, to the gospel. My goodness, Jesus, take us home right now. None of us are perfect. None of us. We all blow it. Verbally especially. Were it not for the grace and mercy of God, right? But in spite of that, in spite of the times we blow it, intentionally and otherwise... God desires to do what with us? To restore us and to get our feet back on the path. Because lives are in the balance. What we say, what we do makes a difference. Let's get the log out of the way so we can truly have the heart of Jesus for people. If we could only for one minute, I mean one minute, have the eyes exact Eyes and heart of Jesus walking through anywhere the city that he went, any city that he went. If we could have but one minute where our eyes and our hearts fully matched up, how would our perspective change? How would lives around us be affected? May God do that in us. Christ prayed in John 17, 21 that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Unity. We have got to remember our spiritual family. We've also got to remember our responsibility. And the point of any time that we talk to anyone, if we see straying, or doctrinal difference, or whatever it is, is to bring glory and honor to the Lord in the way we respond and act. And if they are off and engaged and involved in sin, is that Christ may lead them back. Not that we can drive them in the ground, put the stake, and say it's over. Motive. Being faithful isn't about flying off the handle. There's another verse that's really good for us to remember. Ephesians four twenty six. Jeremy actually started off by reading um, during our worship time this morning in the beginning of Ephesians chapter four verse one. But in Ephesians four twenty six, the verse reads, "In your anger do not sin." It doesn't say don't be angry, but it matters where we take it. First and foremost, we take our anger to the Lord. Now there is a holy and righteous anger. We really saw it fully fledged out once in Jesus when He turned the temples over, or turned the tables over in the temple, if you recall. Because they were using that, he called it a den of robbers. Right? They, he was, they were turning this place of worship into this secularized. God doesn't have any place here, taking advantage of people, and, and Jesus was just fed up. Now the difference: He was the Son of God; we are not, <laughs> obviously. And so, uh, our response and reaction not being the same. But but there are issues in our world that require of us a response. That anger that settles in us, if it not be a righteous anger, is sin. If it is, we take it to the Lord, we leave it with Him, and we still respond with truth, kindness, gentleness, and with love. We have a responsibility to do that. So here's the practical, practical part. It may mean that... Um, Social media channels are not healthy for you. (laughs) And it may mean that you need to disengage or totally remove those things from your devices altogether. Because what you post and what you say and this person you hold yourself out to be is other than Jesus. And actually, you're a bigger distraction than you are a gospel leader. Maybe that's one of the crosses that you have to bear, even though you enjoy it. Uh, maybe you need to take yourself off a period of time forever. Uh, it may mean that you need to have someone in your life. All of us need individuals like this. Who can, when they see us getting sideways or, or something is happening in our lives, to come alongside, to encourage to speak truth over, to pray for, to love, and to correct. We all need people in our lives that we can gasket with in safe environments Uh, beyond just driving our car and us being just us and the Lord. Uh, He gives us people in our lives to be able to do that with that can love us in spite of, help us in spite of, encourage us, tell us truth all of us need to be more diligent all of us including me in our prayer lives for one another and for the lost who you are what you say how you act and what you do matters it matters honorable or dishonorable and the moments of dishonorable are you quick to repentance or slow prayerfully quick. As you know, if you've been with us, we've been uh, reading this passage in a a version. uh, It's actually not a version. It's a paraphrase called the message, kind of like the living Bible back in the seventies, but it illuminates words in ways that I believe are very helpful to us. And so I'm going to read this and then we'll pray from the message. Second Timothy two, 20 to 26. In a well-furnished kitchen, there are not only crystal goblets and silver platters, but waste cans and compost buckets. Some containers used to serve fine meals, others just to take out the garbage. Become the kind of container God can use to present any and every kind of gift to his guests for their blessing. For their blessing. Run away from infantile indulgence. Run after mature righteousness, faith, love, peace joining those who are in honest and serious prayer before God refuse to get involved in inane discussions they always end up in fights god's servant must not be argumentative but a gentle listener and a teacher who keeps cool working firmly but patiently with those who refuse to obey james 1:19 through 21 everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to become angry because man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. You never know how or when God might sober them up with a change of heart and a turning to the truth for all of us who got saved. It was a moment. For all of us who have been engaged in sin and have been in this position dishonorable, it was a moment of repentance, enabling them to escape the devil's trap where they are caught and held captive, forced to run his errands. We're called to our spiritual family. We're called to great responsibility. Let's pray together.